content warning, this podcast contains mentions of racism, uh, queer phobia, homophobia, the works, history, you know. You're listening to Queer Sounds. My name is Hannah. My pronouns are they, them, and I am so happy that you're tuning in today because we are in for a treat. Um, sometimes you get to know people because you randomly send them an email. Sometimes you get to know people because they send you a random email. Sometimes you get to know people because you happen to follow each other on Twitter. But this time, we go old school. We... Um, you got to know each other because a friend of a friend took a friend to a bar and then you got to talk and it was chill and you got to hang out and it was nice. Um, so when it comes to meeting people, that's the way to do it, right? Hi there, Latoya. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Heather? I'm great. I went for a swim this morning and it was lovely. Um, I, uh, that, that was a very brief inter- uh, introduction, but hey, uh, g- go ahead, introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? What are your pronouns, etc.? All right, yes. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Latoya, and I am a queer artist, a, song- a singer-songwriter from Namibia. Uh, I'm known as Toya K. That's my artist, my stage name. And yeah, I'm really, really excited to be here today because it's my first ever podcast and i am so glad that i got to do it with hannah and yeah thanks for having me hannah thank you for uh, for being here um so it's it's been a while since that one faithful night that we uh we we got to hang out in a in a random bar all of a sudden um yeah all the more all the happier that this is finally happening but what have you been what have you been doing in the meantime like what has this past year uh been like for you um, this past year has been quite busier um, than the last because I was working on releasing my first uh, single and I was yes yeah, successful and uh, I've released my first my debut single um, February this year so that's what I've been up to um, after the release the real walk started of like marketing it and trying to get it on to radio stations and yeah that's what has been keeping me busy yeah. all right well um, if you are interested in listening to this Toya K debut single stay tuned because we're definitely going to play it but first yeah. um Let's have a listen to Brenda Fassi. Um, I think this is an artist we had on the show before. I'm not entirely sure, but the name just sounded very familiar. Oh, 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 oh,
Delicious track of the day, Fully Nair by Brenda Fassi. Yeah. We did indeed have this uh, artist on the show before, like, uh, I want to say, like, November 2020. It's been a while. Um, but, yeah, I could listen to that groove all day, like, the funky bass rhythms combined with, like, that weird yeah. synth sound that she does. It's so cool. Um, so why Me did too. you select this uh, th this track for today? Well, um, Brenda Farsi is, first of all, wow, the nostalgia when I listen to this song is, wow, it's a legend in the Southern Africa, especially in the Southern African communities. Um, I grew up listening to her and uh, she was the first openly gay pop star, African pop star. And that's why I chose her for like today's, I mean, the song for today's podcast, because she has also been a big inspiration for me and my music, uh, my music journey. Uh, is there also a reason specifically why you chose Fuli Nila? Excuse me? Oh, the song. Yeah, um, because I am, I have an emotional connection to the song, like, uh, When I listen to her, it reminds me of my childhood and, you know, the area where I grew up. And also, you know, my family used to play the song a lot at weddings and stuff because it is basically a wedding song. It literally translates to, Vulint Lela translates to, um, like, make way, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's what the song is about. It's a, it's a wedding song, like, make way. My son is getting married today. That's what she says in the song. And, yeah, it's not about also uh, what she says. It's just the memories to the song that I have is just, yeah. Take us there. If this is a song that yeah. you so um, deeply associate with, like, your childhood, uh, your childhood home, um, yeah. was... Was Brenda Fassi like uh, one of the artists that was like just played a lot there, uh, like on the radio, or like was it a CD or a cassette yeah. that it kept on playing? What paint a picture? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we used to. I grew up in the townships. Uh, if you have any idea what that's like, I, I mean, I don't. I, obviously, I don't know if you have any idea what's that like. Um, but I grew up in the townships, and we used to have the CDs. I mean, first we had the cassettes. I think my mom had an album, her album on a cassette. And that's what we used to play a lot uh, when we have family gatherings or weddings. It, it was usually just like Brenda Fassi playing like all I can remember, like from my childhood. Um, so that was really amazing. And also the fact that You know, when I found out that she is like, um, a, you know, openly like gay, I was, I just felt like a really, a connection to her or like, I felt really inspired by her, you know, mm -hmm. I, yeah. So when she came out, I thought, wow, it's, she just openly said that, you know, so I have a chance as well, <laughs> if she can, you know, say that, um, Yeah, so she was really amazing. She had like really bold stage antics that earned her like a reputation for outrageousness. And she also used her music to, you know, oppose the apartheid regime in South Africa. 
Yeah, because that's yeah. also like what the townships were like, right? Because townships yeah. were basically like neighborhoods specifically uh, yeah. who did, that came up under apartheid in order to like yeah. literally segregate all of the different uh, urban areas. Um, yeah. So um, yeah. is that is that also like what made her uh, big in the townships, like that real political... Um, uh engagement like is that what made her a, a popular artist at least in your circles yeah yeah i think that's what made her like really popular and also the fact that even after she was like famous and wealthy she would still do most of her concerts she would do it in the townships she would go township from township and be an amazing person but also she had obviously her um troubles and uh, yeah, but I remember like most of her albums became like multi-platinum sellers and she used to go back to the townships and she would perform, she would uh, put on concerts and people can come see her even sometimes for free, you know. Also, the way that she used her music to like fight back um, also made people like her even more because people needed that at that time, you know, they liked that about her even though she was also sometimes a troubled artist um, but mostly what stood out about her was um, her bold stage antics and you know how she earned her uh, reputation for being you know outrageous against the apartheid regime you being yeah. from uh, Namibia, like uh, yeah. when you think of uh, apartheid in townships, most people will associate that with South Africa. Is there yeah. um, a nuance between the Namibian and South, Af South, Af South, yeah, South African side of the story? <laughs> um, I think Namibia experienced just as much um, apartheid as South Africa did because we basically just shadow South Africa like you know uh, experience wise um, when it comes to these things we had the exact same thing happen to us we had um, segregation uh, we have townships here exactly the same way uh, South Africa had their townships segregated we had that we have that still here right so I think um when it comes to the whole apartheid experience, um, Namibians have experienced that just as much as South Africans have. Like, we share basically the same um, history. Uh, but yet, Namibia is often overlooked in like this conversation uh, because yeah. people will associate uh, apartheid and segregation with South Africa, also in part because yeah. the entire uh, Nelson Mandela success story made yeah. Cringe when I say it that way, but um, yeah. but um, what are some like key things people need to know about um, Namibia and uh, that 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 part of their history that often gets gets overlooked? Um, I think like right now it's uh, it's just something Namibians want to work and move from um, because. We have been also trying to be um, what recognized, or should I say, um, that we also had that same history. Like we also wanted, you know, the world to not forget that Namibia faced the same thing. But then we also have other struggles, like we had the genocide uh, by the Germans here. So that's also something else that we needed to deal with. And yeah, so I think... We have a lot of other struggles. I think that's why we don't push the whole apartheid um, 
a thing anymore because we have a lot of other things that we need to work on or, you know, that we were working on at the time as well. Right. Um, yeah, I did. Uh, if you get what I mean. Yeah, I, I, I just didn't expect this conversation to get this political and this historical this early in the episode, but yeah. there we are. <laughs> Me neither. Um, Okay, but um, let's 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 move on then because. Sorry, um, let me just add before we move on. I just I wanted to add to that because it's um, it's a big part of my childhood, so that's why I think it went to that direction. Hmm. Um, okay, but then um, in in what way was this a big part of your childhood? Like, uh, have you always been this politically engaged from a young age? Yeah, I think I didn't really have a choice because these things were still happening like as I was growing up, like especially uh, segregation and stuff like that. Um, even when I was in primary school, we still had segregation in schools where um, like maybe the white children will, were allowed to play on one side and the black children on the other side. So I think I still got to experience the micro-racism and... Um, some after effects of uh, apartheid. I'm surprised you're even country. calling it. I'm surprised you're even calling it like micro racism because that's just blatant. Yeah, yeah. Because like I still have to deal with that uh, even to this day. Like I still have to deal with the micro racism. You know. Right. Yeah. It lingers. Yeah. Yeah. It still lingers like everywhere you go. So it all it has always been there um what role did music play in this like was it a place you could you could you could go to for comfort was it something you could yeah. get power out of like what was the specific role music played when you had to go through all this um yeah i think for me i uh, music was my escape um from a lot of things that were happening in my childhood growing up and i think i stuck to it because it just uh provide it gave me like a, a comfort zone like somewhere i could just go and escape everything or like somewhere where i could go and you know um find inspiration or motivation so yeah people like brenda fassi contributed a lot to that you know or nina simone artists like nina simone no she's not a queer artist but she also really has a huge has had a very huge impact on my musical journey as well it's uh it's it's it's, it's cool you should mention that like um yeah. what other uh, i was just about to ask like what other artists yeah. were were you listening to at the at the time while while living in namibia because you you're in namibia right now as well right yeah i'm in namibia right now like, is there some music that you um, listen to that makes you feel more at home? Something that makes you feel like calm, uh, that, that helps you just kind of find some peace of mind? Yeah, I also listen to like people like Miriam Makeba, like especially when I'm here in uh, Namibia, because um, that's what people in my household listen to. And... I think Miriam Makeba's music also gives me a uh, great comfort listening to her. She is also a really amazing artist. So, by the way, um, in Namibia, we listen to a lot of South African music. Um, we grew up listening to a lot of South African music because Namibia was um, musically a little behind as well. Like, 
we didn't really have a lot of recording artists for many years, like growing up, like South Africa did. So South Africa had a very uh, big influence musically uh, on Namibia. It's just now that Namibian artists are starting to, you know, get out there musically. That's why I like listening to people like Miriam Makeba. Like, like her music really gives me um, great comfort, like I said. Um, yeah. Then at some point, you, uh, you left Namibia behind and went to see other places like like Belgium, like Germany, like the Netherlands. Like, Is there a specific song you associate with that part of your life? Yes. Um, uh, the first time I left Namibia, I went to England in uh, attempts to um, find a, like a really a good music school that would also accept me and my Namibian qualifications. And um, I remember I used to, I listened to a lot of Sam Smith when I left for the, um, for the UK to uh, England. And I think Sam Smith was an artist at that time that um, inspired me a lot. And I really loved his music and it really also, his voice is very also unique, I think. And he also inspired me to audition for the X Factor for some reason. Like I oh, just wow. wanted to sing like Sam Smith. Yeah. Uh, um, I thought yeah, Sam so, Smith was going by with with they them pronouns nowadays. Is it they them? Oh, I haven't. Uh, I have not seen him like for years. Not even on his social media or heard of him like since it stopped. Uh, re- I mean they. Sorry, right. my. So, but at that time, they uh, started releasing, um, I think, his debut album when I left. And I was, it was really an album that carried me through that experience of uh, leaving home for the first time and in a, being in a new country. It just was really comforting to listen to them. Uh, I had a different question, but I, I kind of yeah. forgot. Um, you know what? Maybe it's about time we uh, we actually go and listen to some music again. Second uh, yeah. uh, track is Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood by the great Nina Simone. Baby, yes. you understand me now If sometimes you see that I'm mad Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong you see some bad But I'm just a soul whose intentions are so carefree with a joy that's hard to hide and then sometimes again it seems that all I have is worry and then you're bound to see my other side but I'm just a soul
Tina 64. Don't let me be misunderstood by Nina Simone. One of the very few like American artists, especially back in the day, that also like toured Africa. Um, Mm-hmm. How did you how did you get in touch with uh, Nina Simone's music? Was it also just something that you had to listen to a lot? Um, yes, my mom really loved listening to her, and I think the first song I've heard, um, my mom had uh, like a CD, I think, and she played "Blackbird" by Nina Simone one day, and I was like, "Wow, this song literally gave me goosebumps just listening to the lyrics and you know just." listening to her voice it's so unique and just so beautiful and yeah that's when i fell in love with nina simone and yeah i found out that she was also like a like an activist and also did you know that she lived in nijmegen oh really i was not aware yeah she did (laughs) all right to clarify to people listening to this like we met in nijmegen that's yeah right right (laughs) so that's really cool um full circle moment all right yeah that is that is really cool so um what do you have like one specific moment in time when you were listening to some uh song listening to a specific artist and that's when you realized holy shit this is it i am going to be i'm 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 going to be a singer yes it was uh, nina simone actually that made me say wow i am gonna be a singer like uh, before that I used to um, sing at uh, talent shows at school and um, just you know sing with my family and stuff but I never really like thought you know I want to be a singer but when I heard Blackbird by Nina Simone I was just like I want to be able to write like that I want to be able to sing like that I want to be able to change people's lives like that like just by using my voice you know and um like just for uh, like historical context, like what around what time are we talking here? Were you like three or thirteen years old as a figure of speech? I oh I was about ten years old. I think the first time I heard uh, Nina Simone uh, song, like that was the day I actually like was like yeah I definitely want to be a singer because before then I didn't know what I wanted to be because it's not very common. At that time, it was not very common for um, a girl my age to be like, I want to go sing. I want to be a singer because like nobody really took um, a musical career very serious, you know, at that time. Like you wouldn't expect a 10 year old girl to say, I want to be a singer or I, because most people just wanted to be a teacher, a doctor, you know, the common um, career choices. Right. But yeah, I wanted to be. I told my mom, like, I want to be a singer. And she's like, yeah, she just laughed about it because she thought, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to change my mind at some point and be like, oh, no, I'm, I wasn't serious. And yeah, I mean, to this day, she still thinks maybe I'm going to change my mind and do something like maybe become a nurse or a teacher. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think I was about 10, 10 years old. I mean, that kind of, that, that, that entire context sounds just very queer to me. Like, 
um, you could replace yeah. the word, uh, you, you could replace, hey, mom and dad, I'm going to be a singer with, hey, mom and dad, I'm bisexual. And the reactions would probably be the yeah. same. Like, oh, it's just a phase. You'll grow yeah. out of it. <laughs> You'll find an adult right. job and settle. Like, um, yeah. is, is that yeah. also how that went? Yeah, that's that. That is exactly how that went. It, <laughs> it did feel a little bit uh, like coming out, you know, and... And it's still how it goes every now and then. Like when I tell people like from here that, you know, I want to be a singer, like I want to be a serious singer, like, you know, they're like, ah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Good for you. <laughs> but it's like they don't really believe, like <laughs> they don't really believe like it's something that I'm taking serious, you know. They And then they're like, oh, but like, do you have any backup? Like maybe do you, are you going to do um education just in case you know singing doesn't work i'm like no singing will work out because i want to be a singer so like, oh, okay so which one of the two was the easier conversation the the queer one or the singer one well i think after my family um after the singer one uh, my family also started uh learning more about the fact that i am someone that will do anything that i put my mind to and no matter what they say, I'm still going to do it. So it was easier for me to come out. <laughs> right. Because, yeah, after that, I told them, like, I want to, you know, you know, date girls. And they're like, oh, okay. You know, you always do what you want anyways. But, like, yeah. So I think also they are just trying to make me feel bad, not bad by just being accepting, but also they hope that someday that... I will change my mind or like change my um, my preferences. Right. What what is like in your experience the current social state of queer people in Namibia? Like um, social. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we we just uh, we 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 already got political early on uh, a little yeah. bit when talking about life in the townships. What is life in the townships yeah. like for? queer people like are people cool with it are, are they being accepted or um are they like more queer phobic than we might realize i think the younger generation now is becoming more accepting of queer people around them and um more accepting of um that you know people can love who they love and also because of that a lot of people are also starting to feel more comfortable to come out in the social, especially in their social circles. You find a lot of queer people come out more to their friends more than they come out to their family because the younger generation is more accepting of queer people here in my country. Well, at least in my experience and more than the older a man should be a man and a woman should be a woman and yeah so i think in my social circle i'm i'm very comfortable being a queer person and in like the social setting in my community but uh when it comes to the government and like the older people it's really it's still like a a fight you know on top of that, there is also like a level of misogyny that works in your, I don't want to say it works in your advantage, but yeah. like, um, for example, same-sex sexual activity is illegal between two males, but legal between 
to women because you know how would that even work no one is being penetrated by anything and and, and, and so that's that's like there's this weird way how yeah. two men are yeah. thrown in jail for having sex but two women are um yeah. so how how yeah. is that for you having that like first-hand experience that way i mean assuming that I don't, I don't assume like police was knocking on your door like how dare you date a girl but like how yeah. how 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 did you feel under those circumstances yes um i think uh being a queer woman in my country uh, according to my experience and the people around me is much easier than being a queer man um because the society is much more harsh harsher on queer men than women because they sexualize um queer women um like if you tell for example you tell somebody like you are uh, i am bisexual then they start to and you know other women but it's different for queer men to tell people like i'm you know i'm gay and like they are literally disgusted by gay men like the men in my uh, community you know they don't like it did you have any queer friends in 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 in, in your social circle in Namibia in your social circles growing up um yes i did um i had my gay best friend um growing up but we also didn't literally grow up together we went to school together and we like like high school i met him in high school actually and it was like really difficult for me um seeing how people treated him and i was scared because i saw the way people treated him and i was scared to like also come out for a long time because of that and because i didn't want to be treated like that because i was already dealing with you know racism so like now again i have to be labeled as you know um a member of the lgbtq community and people are just going to make things worse but to my surprise it was not that difficult when i started coming out to people because for some reason people um find it sexy like some people find it sexy which is very disturbing for me yes um that you know when a woman says oh i i also like other women and men then they start thinking in their head oh my god this is my chance to have a threesome now like you know so stuff like that very very irritating <laughs> but yeah. yeah that's what i had to deal with unfortunately but the but, the classic yeah. uh fetishization of bisexuals Yes, right, exactly. Um, so a lot of fetishization going on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and that's why people don't treat um, queer women as that because they fetishize them. And then they just can't do it, can't do the same with gay men because then they are also to be like, they are also afraid to be called gay and stuff like that. So they just um, hate them, you know. So, um, with this like weird mixed bag of your, of, of like queer experiences in Namibia, what were your expect, uh, what, what were your expectations when you, when you moved to Europe? Um, to be honest, I was expecting, um, to just, um, be able to be having like a proper, um, okay. How can I say proper queer experience? But no, I was just expecting to just 
live freely and not be fetishized as a queer woman or, you know, or not having someone give me like any weird looks when I tell them that I am uh, bisexual. And I just expected it to be more easier as a queer person. And it was, it was uh, much easier than uh, in Namibia. Because, you know, you never really uh, stop coming out. Like, you can't say, oh, I I came out to my family, like, years ago. New workplace, you are coming out. Um, You go to a new place, you're coming out, and people react differently every time. And sometimes those reactions are not nice. Mm. And, you know, so that's the difficult part for me, like... But I also want to live my truth. So I, you know, I come out whether it's going to be difficult or not. I do. Right. But yeah. Yeah. So uh, on top of the the, the, uh, the fact that we also still have like the fetishization of bisexuals here, um, there is a layer of racism on top of that. Like what do you uh, experience, yeah. like not to make this a competition between different yeah. marginalized groups but like what yeah. what do you think is worse here the queer phobia or the 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 racism wow um yeah big question wow, I know. that is a very very big question yeah um i think i have more trauma um with racism uh, um, linked to racism or caused by racism than I have with my queer experience because it hasn't been a very long time for me to say, okay, this has been difficult because I feel like I'm just really starting my journey, you know, right? as a queer person. So I think in my experience, um, it would be the racism. Um, I'm yet, I think I will have to answer that question again for my queer experience in a few years when I have really had, you know, more experiences um, my gay best friend I think for him it's the other way around compared to me right um, I think for him uh, the queerphobia is all the homophobia has really inflicted a lot of trauma more than I would say racism um, according to this is just based on the conversations that we have or that I've had with him about these things so I think it really depends on uh, your personal experience when it comes to this too. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, from there, like your um, music, would you, um, to what extent is that like a way to like get some emotional therapy to to help cope with everything you go through as like a queer black woman, both in Namibia and in Europe? When it comes to my music, it really has been a form of therapy to a lot of aspects, uh, you know, a lot of things, a lot of experiences in my life. So I would say it is really the main that to deal with these things, uh, to deal with, um, you know, my experience as a queer black woman. I also want to use it to, you know, you know, help other people. Like I, I still am finding my way to that, um, but that's what I wanted to do as well. Yeah, I also wanted to provide you know some form of therapy through my lyrics or through my music or some form of empowerment at least you know um, to spread that 
through my music. Mm, before we uh, dive back into um, the music, like what yeah. are like what are like some recent victories in uh, Namibia when it comes to queer rights? Because yeah. um, as of right now, same sex sexual activity is still illegal. Recognition of same sex unions is still illegal. But like, what are there like some recent? victories from like namibian activists fighting for uh queer rights um well we haven't yet been successful but i think uh the government has like put that into thought and the 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 supreme court has uh, been considering legalizing uh same-sex marriages um so, but that is still that is still a process, and we still have, uh, you know, a lot of work to do, um, into convincing, you know, especially the older generation that you know it's okay to let people, you know, love who they love, you know, and I think one of the most recent victories, um, it is a small victory, but I think it is it is still a victory, and it is still a step. Um, it also. I think opened a lot of people's minds and hearts um, was uh, there was a guy that um, wanted to adopt uh, a same, actually not, not a guy. There was a, a gay couple. They got married in South Africa and they moved uh, to Namibia and they wanted to actually the, one of the, um, the guys was uh, Namibian. They wanted to move back to Namibia and uh, they adopted children in um South Africa, and they wanted to, you know, make these children legally theirs. And it was a fight, and the court initially, you know, didn't want them to adopt these children because gay, same, you know, same sex marriage is not legal in Namibia, and you cannot have, apparently, you cannot have children um, as a same sex couple, somebody else's children, and then adopt them. You know, we we were raising awareness to this uh, situation, and last year they actually had both their children. Um, uh, they were given to them uh, legally by the court because people went out and they fought for it, and they raised awareness and they spread it, and they got all the support from the LGBTQ community, and they finally were, you know, victorious. All right. Um, in the case. So that really is, it's baby steps, but it really gives me, like, things like that really gives me hope that, you know, okay, we might. <laughs> we'll take any victory we get can there. get, right? Uh, right? Until every homophobic law is repealed, we'll take any victory yeah. we can that we can get. Um, until then, yeah. let's get some music playing. Here is yeah. Youth by Troy Sivan. What if, what if we run away? What if, what if we left today? What if we say goodbye to safe and sound? What if, what if we're hard to find? What if, what if we lost the minds? What if we let them fall behind and they're never found? And when the lights start flashing like a photo booth and the stars explode My youth is yours, tripping on skies, sipping waterfalls. My youth, 
My youth is yours, run away now and forever My youth, my youth is yours The truth so loud you can't ignore My youth, my youth, my youth Close our eyes Speeding through red lights Into paradise Cause we know time For getting old What body time is so Cross your fingers Here we go Tripping on sky, sipping waterfalls My youth, my youth is yours Run away now and forever My youth, my youth is yours The truth so loud you can't ignore My youth, my youth, my youth My youth is yours Pretty sure that this is in the category um, favorite concert experience. Um, it's been a little bit topsy turvy and going all over the place in in the, or, in the usual order of things. But hey, um, Youth, Choice yeah. of On, Blue Neighborhood, 2015, such a great track. Uh, why did you select Choice of On for this show? Um, because uh, you asked about my concert experiences, and that was the only concert experience I had to this day. Wow. And it was Troya Sivania. <laughs> I know, right? Um, you would think I had been to so many concerts by now. But no, um, no I went to see Troya Sivania in Johannesburg uh, in South Africa. And he is also uh, a queer artist. And I really loved him. And I love his music. It's so refreshing to listen to. Um, yeah, my, one of my friends, uh, one of my gay friends introduced me to him and we, he actually bought tickets to this um, concert and I didn't know about him. So I went and I was like, oh, okay, Trish is on his school. <laughs> I like his music. So it wasn't an artist that I really had a, a connection with at that time or even now, not so much, but like I just like the experience of uh, going to a concert like a big concert you know mm. and yeah it was fun and i met a lot of really cool queer people uh really bold confident queer people at that concert as well that i still have contact to this day so yeah it was really good this uh being your only concert experience and yeah. you uh, only having one single out, like what can people expect when they go see Toya K in concert? Um, I think I have really good stage presence. And I think, well, every time that I perform, people said they were captivated by my um, my performance or like they felt like the fierceness. And nice. I think that's what you can, yeah. So I think that's what you can expect when you come to see me. Because I think I, I am a born entertainer, but I think I'm also a born activist. Let me say, I like to spread a message through my performance. 
Like I, I want you to leave. Like if you come see me perform, I want you to leave, uh, you know, feeling different or having learned something or picked up something. You know, like you, uh, like you already announced, um, we're going to play your debut single um, at, at the end of this episode. What's the what's yeah. the what's the story behind that song? Um, On time, it's called. What was what was the writing process like? Well, um, this song has a lot of different sides to it. Um, it's really, it's really a song that I have written, like with my soul <laughs> and everything in me, um, because I was going through a depressing time. Let me say, I would say, because I was not very happy at that time, or I wanted to change a lot of things in my life at that time. That was at a time when I first came to the Netherlands and a lot was happening. There was some tragedy in my family at that time as well. And then, you know, I was having my first relationship with a girl at that time and it was very uh, turbulent. It, it, it was also affected by the fact that I was away from my family again and it's not always the best feeling um so i put all that into that song like um it might sound like it's a love song but um, most of it i was writing to myself you know um because even at that time i was feeling a little insecure my sorry um <laughs> It's hard to talk about this, but like, oh, yeah, okay. I was feeling like I was fitting in to this new environment and I was starting to give up a little bit on myself as well and on my dreams because it was affected by the fact that, you know, I thought that I wasn't doing good enough for myself. So that's when I wrote the song and I, I just put everything together that I was feeling and I was basically writing to myself, you know, like, just like, you have to, you know, start fighting now for, you know, yourself and start working now before it's too late, basically. Right. Before you like entirely like give up on yourself. And yeah, so that's um, a little bit of what the song is about. Actually, a lot about what the song is. Right. So, yeah. I really appreciate yeah. you open, opening up there. Um, yeah, it does yeah. also sound like you came a long way since like the early stages of the song. Um, even yeah. I don't know uh, how long uh, you spent in the Netherlands, but like with this single yeah. being released in February, how mu how much time yeah. was there between like the initial uh, conceptualization of this track and and and, and it coming out? I, I think about six months. Yeah. I think about six months before I actually released the song. I wrote it uh, last year in August, I think, or July. I'm not exactly sure about the exact right. dates, but like, yeah, I wrote it last year in around that time. And yeah, I have really, I've, I've really come a long way, like mentally, emotionally, everything. Um, yeah, I'm much more uh, stable than I was back then when I wrote the song. I think so. I would say the song also really helped me. It really carried me through this time. And it was, um, you know, writing this song was like a form of therapy for me. Did you do everything yourself on this track? Like from the production to the, uh, the recording of the vocals, writing the vocals, writing the, the, the synth, the drums part, everything? Uh, well, no, I have. 
I've only written the song and the melody and uh, obviously the voice was all me. Um, but the the beat, the, the most of the production was not was not me. I I I I was okay. This was what this what sorry, this is what happened when I find myself in you know feeling down and a little challenged. I go to YouTube and I find some beats that uh, that I can relate to, and then I start writing um, on these beats, just random beats. And then one day I found that that particular beat for on time on some guy's YouTube channel, and. Yeah, I started writing on it and eventually I bought the rights to the beat and I took the beat to Amsterdam and I recorded it with uh, a Dutch producer and yeah, the song was released in February when it was ready. You um yeah. your you being in Namibia right now and um your producer being in Amsterdam, like how does that work that long distance client collaboration? Um, I think for now, I have also not been doing music while I'm in Namibia. Um, yes, I have been doing some concerts here and there, like to perform my single, but I haven't been doing any recording um, because I haven't really found a producer that I can like work with. I'm, I am trying to find, but it's been really hard. So I haven't recently been releasing any music. Um, I think I will only do so when I'm back in uh, Europe uh, in three months from now. So with um, with this one single being out and you uh, currently like playing some shows left and right, uh, what, what is ne- what, what's next in the Toya K story? Like uh, when can we expect some new singles, an album maybe, a, some, some shows in your neighborhood? What's, uh, yeah. what's your future uh, look like? Well, um, well, it looks really exciting, but also a little bit, uh, you know, turbulent here and there. But yeah, I'm going to have a show here in, it's called the Okanja fest um it's like a festival that happens here so i'm gonna be one of the artists performing there it's a really big uh, festival well not that big but like compared to the festivals in <laughs> the netherlands or right. anything but yeah it is uh, quite uh, for, for the community it's quite big um so i'll be performing there and then i'm also gonna be releasing another single uh, later this year um the date is yet to be set, but it's definitely going to be between November and December. And then I am going to start working on my debut album, which will be dropping next year. And I want to um, include a lot of uh, my queer uh, experiences and, you know, just my experiences as a person uh, or like, you know, how I felt growing up and, you know, all my feelings into this album. Like, I really want to um, spread um, love and awareness to uh, the struggles that I have faced or the struggles that people have faced around me. Um, I really want to uh, include that into my work, but it's not as easy as it looks or... It's, yeah, so I'm working on it, and that's what you should expect from me next. What would be your uh, your ultimate goal? When would you think, yes, I have made it as a Namibian queer musician? Um, I think if I, like for me to say, yes, I've made it, would be 
uh, at a stage in my life where I start helping other queer artists to also, you know, follow their dreams. Um, when I literally start helping other people um, get to the level where I am at, that's when I will feel like, yeah, I, I have made it. Um, because I think the Namibian music industry still needs a, a little, not, not a little, it still needs a lot of work because people don't really take Namibian artists uh, serious, I, I would say, or not serious, but like, yeah. So I want to, you know, do something to boost that, to, um, to you know, make people want to follow their dreams because it can be a little discouraging if you are a creative and people around you don't support that or don't take that serious. So um, if you're listening to this as a young queer Namibian and you think, hey, this sounds very cool um, uh, and I wish I could get some of Latoya's help, where can where can people find you on like the socials and the internets? Um, yeah, you can find me on my Instagram. It's at Toyer, um, T-O-Y-U-Triple-R. Um, I think that's where I'm mostly um, active. All right. It's time All we the links have... that you need. Yeah. Right. It's, t- it's time we have a listen to On Time by Toya K. Um, first, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show, Latoya. I'm very happy to yeah. finally have made this. Um, possible. To have, yeah, to fi- finally have you on. If you're listening to the show thinking, hey, this sounds cool. I've got an extra dollar, euro, whatever currency you use. Um, you can send it uh, our way if you feel so inclined. Um, that's patreon.com slash queer sounds you can uh, give us a follow on the socials that's queer sounds pod all one word on twitter instagram and tumblr um there's an email address queer sounds pod at gmail.com if you uh want to send a good old-fashioned email um and yeah if you don't want to support the show financially you know give us a shout out on the socials tell a friend everything really helps um this has been lovely yeah thank you so much for this uh time it was good (laughs) all right awesome i was very nervous but uh, i hope it it turns out good you did great okay let's have a listen on time by toya k i'm tired 